Hey, JD, welcome to the show. How's it going, Ganesh? Nice to meet you. It's going good. How about you? Pretty good. Can't complain. So tell me about this, um, you know, like um, medicine that you were attracted to very early on. Like what attracted you, let's say, healing people, you know, like what was your earliest kind of memory and what was the trigger for you? Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting story. I like to joke that it's generational. It's been in my family mm-hmm. for, you know, probably the beginning of our existence. Um, I come from a lineage of like traditional healers, traditional uh, Mexican healers, Aztec healers. So I grew up, you know, using alternative medical practices in my own home. So like a cough, you know, our grandma would make a tea for us or stomach ache. There's a different tea for this. Um, so I always was around it. And it's actually really funny that my mom was one of the first people to kind of transition from that alternative uh, medical side to the Western medical side. Um, she went into nursing. So that was like our jump into the Western medical world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here is something that I know I've always wondered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like you are not one of those mainstream doctors. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely not. I tried mm-hmm. to do the opposite of all of those doctors. I don't make my patients wait. I don't talk over my doc or over my patients. I try to make them comfortable. Um, so anything that I ever experienced in a normal doctor's office that I absolutely hated, I make sure that my patients never, you know, experience those things. Mm-hmm. So what was your kind of initial inception of you know because as you said you know you have that kind of history where your whole ancestry is into Mm -hmm. healing but Mm -hmm. what was your personal kind of earliest inception where you thought you know i'm not going to follow western medicine i'm going to do this thing let's say of my own which might be you know side streamed or alternative medicine Mm -hmm. so i was probably like six or seven i think and my mom brought home a book about like 101 uh, remedies for home. And I remember just like looking through it and thinking, oh, wow, you know, mustard is good for a burn or, you know, peppermint tea is good for a sore throat. So just the, the idea of these things that were in my kitchen that could actually, you know, create a physiological change to do something uh, just like fascinated me. And I think ever since then, I decided that I knew anytime I had something wrong, I would use my book first uh, and then take any medicine that uh, my pa- my parents would make me take. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you have any kind of formal education in medicine? Absolutely. So in mm-hmm. America, uh, acupuncture, well, not every state, but in Florida where I, where I am, um, mm-hmm. acupuncturists are a form of primary care provider. So we do a lot of the same, you know, laboratory testing and imaging that your traditional Western medical doctor would do. So we do go to school for four years after a bachelor's degree, and we do take four board exams. So it kind of mirrors the traditional um, Western medical model in terms of education, because the entry level for acupuncture is a master's degree. So even if you are just a master's degree level, you still go three and a half years. Uh, to school after your bachelor's. So there's a lot of education. And because people have diseases that are categorized by the Western medical system, we have to learn both. 
because we're treating diseases that are modern day diseases. But instead of using, you know, pharmaceutical chemistry, we use lifestyle, diet, acupuncture, herbal medicine, homeopathy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let's say during those trainings in, you know, in the early days, did you ever have that kind of urge to switch to Western medicine? Um, so interestingly enough, I did start my academic career wanting to be either like a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, uh, which are kind of like in between, you know, the medical doctors and the patients. Um, and I thought that's what I was going to do. Uh, mm -hmm. But then I said, you know, I, I'm not as passionate about it. My parents worked in medicine, so I was always exposed to it. So by the time I got to college, I was kind of already bored <laughs> with learning about, uh, you know, biochemistry and pharmaceutical chemistry, and it just became so repetitive. Um, so in the beginning, I actually did start off with a traditional pre-medical science education. My bachelor's mm -hmm. is in cellular molecular biology. So I did, you know, pursue a Western-based science degree um, to start with. But it was at the last moment when I turned down my DO acceptance and I went into acupuncture school. Mm -hmm. And for those people, let's say, who do not understand how acu you know, acupuncture can help a patient, could you just explain briefly how does it work? Certainly. Um, you know, we've, been, we've been trying to do this for 10,000 years, <laughs> so I'll try to compile it in as simple terms as possible. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the body cannot differentiate a microtrauma, like from a needle that is the size of human hair, to a trauma caused by, let's say, a, you know, a wound or a stab wound or something like that. The body will actually initiate very similar processes that are going to stabilize the body. So things that stabilize the body after an injury are like, you know, control bleeding to relieve pain to, um, you know, increase circulation to an area so that it can promote healing. And that's essentially one of the most basic mechanisms of acupuncture is that we are, I don't want to say tricking the body, but we're persuading the body to go through these very, very intense chemical reactions that are going to stop pain, improve flexibility, increase range of motion, and all these things that, you know, typically we're looking for when we're trying to relieve pain. So that's for the pain aspect, um, but it is an entire system of medicine. So you actually can treat some internal disorders, things like allergies, digestive issues, and things like that as well um, through a little bit different mechanism. Instead of the healing principles that you know we use for a wound, it's more so about like our endocrine system or our circulatory systems, things like that. Mm -hmm. So because, you know, um, in the preparation of this particular episode, I was going through um, acupuncture and its history and everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to name names, but there were a few people, um, you know, who said that, oh, uh, you know, acupuncture as a, you know, like alternative medicine has a very little scientific evidence and, you know, like effects on it. Certainly. Mm -hmm. And just like with any other, you know, treatment that goes against the status quo. Um, a lot of it has to do with our ability to personalize treatments. You cannot standardize an acupuncture treatment. For example, if we both have a headache, 
an acupuncturist would not use the same points for our headaches because we have different bodies, we have different chemistries, we have different genetics, and we take that into account. So when you're trying to do an RCT or you're trying to do a very in-depth study of acupuncture, it's almost impossible due to so many factors. Because when we're following the scientific method, we have to follow the very strict rules of A, B, C, D, E. But in acupuncture, patients' formulas could be C, D, B, A, or B, C, A, B. So we cannot quantify so many different types of treatments, um, you know, within one study. And that's why it's so difficult. You know, in 2,500 years ago, uh, when we were writing all of this down, uh, it was empirical evidence that we used, right? How did the patient feel? How did the condition change? What was the presentation before and after the treatment? So those are very difficult to put into very rigid, um, you know, scientific method. There can puncture for headache, acupuncture mm -hmm. for insomnia. Because there's actually to... a yeah. ton of studies. Um, so I hate when people are like, oh, there's no scientific research. There is actually tons. Uh, in the United States, the Veterans Affairs actually is one of the largest bodies of uh, acupuncture research, as well as the Nursing Association mm -hmm. of America. So they are really big, reputable sources that produce a lot of the scientific research that is leading the way for, you know, this medicine. Yes, of course. Because the healthcare system in the United States is, you know, at least for you know, because Indian India is called as like third world country or whatever. That I do, I I you know I don't believe that. But you know whatever they want to call us, even then our healthcare system is pretty much affordable to anybody. And looking at United States, I recently um, was talking to another guest because I have had like many guests that are American. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that person off the record, you know, he just mentioned that he had a baby, like a baby boy mm -hmm. recently. And for skin to skin contact with the mother, um, he was charged, I think, 85 to $100. Wow. I don't remember the exact wow. amount. And I was like, hmm. So she carried the baby for nine months now for the same person to touch, you know, her own baby mm -hmm. you need to pay to the hospital it's crazy it's like microtransactions in in-app games <laughs> uh the <laughs> hospitals here i actually just recently had a friend who had a baby and the whole entire process from you know delivery to the two days that she was there was twenty two thousand uh, dollars which to me is oh insane God. you know i could buy like yes. you know two used honda accords for that mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, because in India, um, you know, if you went to a government hospital mm -hmm. where quality might not be the highest, you would you would go through the whole journey within like hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. And if you went to a very reputed kind of um, organization, which was which would be a private hospital, mm -hmm. it would cost you somewhere around two to three thousand dollars. Wow. And I am talking about prestigious, you know, like mm -hmm. where elite people go. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I would probably say too that the American uh, mindset of what a hospital should be kind of also plays a role into why everything is so expensive. I feel like, you know, being in 
healthcare, I've noticed that sometimes patients' expectations are so high um, that it actually will cause the hospital to do something about it. <clears throat> you know, like, oh, these sheets are not comfortable or it's too cold mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. And the hospital actually will do something about it. Um, but that mm -hmm. drives up the cost of care because you're now adjusting, you know, to, to make a standard that isn't really necessary. You know, I hate to say you don't need to have the mindset of staying in a five-star resort when you're going to go deliver mm -hmm. a baby or whatever it may be. You definitely deserve to be comfortable. 100% I agree with that. Um, but I do think that our expectation of what we are going to experience at the hospital has been, you know, elevated so much because of all the rapid changes in healthcare. Um, and that's, I think, another factor. Yes. Um, like, let's say since you have been practicing medicine for four years now, um, do you think that there is truly a shortage of doctors in the United States? Uh, definitely. So, so I live in Florida where it's a lot of uh, retirees and there's a lot of people here, you know, 65 and up who can't get into doctor's offices for several months. And it's really alarming, um, you know, if the patient has like a, a pretty severe condition and they need a specialist and the specialist is not available for three, four months, the patient's health can decline significantly in that short period of time. Um, so I have noticed, you know, when referring patients out to a specialist or a surgeon, there can be some pretty long wait periods that could easily be remedied if there were more physicians in the area. Mm -hmm. Because I, I honestly, like, sometimes observe this, that people use this as a leverage. Mm -hmm. They are like, cost that is insane. Um, sorry, I'm smiling about it. <laughs> but cost that is insane um, comes from shortage of doctors mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and for preparation of this episode and just in general I, I was really wondering I was like is it really like doctors or what is the cause right so I, I just went to google and just just searched that for every thousand people how many doctors are there in the United States mm -hmm. turns out there, there, there are 2.34 doctors <laughs> That's generous, <laughs> right? Now, if you come to India and I can only talk about India because that's where I live mm -hmm. here. It's like 1.34 doctors per thousand citizens. Mm -hmm. Wow. Even then our medicinal infrastructure and cost is like that's, micro yeah. when you compare it to um, United States. And I have heard horror stories from guests before about people not being able to afford mm -hmm. medicine and um, in one instance a guy had broken his leg mm -hmm. and he did not have medical insurance so he was like you know what I'm going to um, you know like do something else about it oh absolutely and that was like really sad for me because in India even you know of course people and even you might be aware we have a very rich history of medicine oh absolutely all these things even then if, if a person breaks their legs their first thought is to go to a doctor mm -hmm. but in no way India is comparable to United States mm -hmm. because we are still 
as to labeled a third world country mm-hmm. yet our costs are so so different than um united states mm-hmm. absolutely it is it is sad and i kind of have a personal story about that too i think when i was like 20 or 21 i had to go to the hospital um you know an emergent situation and i i went mm-hmm. and i went through the whole thing and i didn't have health insurance at the time and i left with a $14,000 hospital bill um and i was in college at the time so i don't know where i was going to pull out $14,000 um so mm-hmm. i actually ended up going into debt for it it was actually if oh it negatively God. impacted my credit score i wasn't able to get a car get a new apartment um for for a hospital bill and i'm like wow it probably mm-hmm. would have been cheaper to just die <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like the sad state i think and that's the case for a lot of people uh in this country i mean recently they have made some changes to legislation regarding that how it can negatively impact you for so long um so that's really good that's a positive thing i think that's going to help a lot of people um you know who had an emergent situation or maybe got really ill with a you know terminal illness or a chronic illness and went into debt or put their families in debt i think that's going to help a lot of people you know move forward in life yes um so th- that i saw a reel other day on the instagram mm-hmm. where um there was an indian doctor and there was a united states doctor sitting next to each other and they were discussing costs of you know procedures mm-hmm. that are very common around the world and in there one user had submitted their bill um of you know treatment and it was um uh, it was a case of the person getting into a wreck mm-hmm. an accident and that person was billed for 3.8 million dollars wow and i was like damn yeah. and people talk about world hunger i know right the same sense like you can i'm like you do not have any rights to talk about you know world hunger hunger you know when people are out here dying um because they can't you know like treat it yeah it's it is really sad one of the things too that you know i kind of emphasize with my patients um is kind of like paying attention to where you live to see what kind of grocery stores are around you um you know things mm-hmm. like that there are a lot of health disparities uh within the different communities so where i live uh we have very big latino culture um i'm latino myself so we have a pretty big latino culture mm-hmm. here in the area and you know the the grocery stores around me aren't great. You know, they're not your Whole Foods or your Target or your Walmart. They're like little, you know, bodegas, little stores that, you know, people put together. And it's unfortunate because these stores are typically filled with, you know, food that isn't too great for you. You know, it's food that is high in carbohydrates, high in trans fats. So it's food that is not necessarily good for your health, but it's what's readily available. um you know in that area so that has been something that has always interested me is not only is it the people literally cannot afford to get good care they're also being set up to not live a healthy lifestyle because these foods that are you know the high in carb low in you know the good nutrients is what's affordable it's what people can pay you know it's it's not that they don't want to go buy fresh fruits and vegetables it's just that the cost of fresh fruits and vegetables much like healthcare mm-hmm. is so high um so you're kind of forced to eat 
these really poor quality foods that are going to give you chronic illness like diabetes mm -hmm. and hypertension and things like that. So on this point, uh, one of my earlier guests, her name is Mikal Bays. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's an MD and a dietitian. Cool. And she was one of the uh, first people that um, we had the fortune of hosting on our show. And um, she said something along the lines of there was a person, you know, a client of hers who was trying to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't remember. I think she was drinking about 12 ounces of Mountain Dew a day. Oh, wow. And that was her like, you know, like food, uh, source of everything, source of energy, source of nutrition mm -hmm. was Mountain Dew. Wow. And she said, you know, something similar where it's not about what you're consuming. Uh, it's about what is available mm -hmm. to uh, everybody. Mm -hmm. yep. And um, I, I totally agree with you in terms of saying you are what you eat. Absolutely. You're literally made out of it. Yeah, I love it. I always say that the food are the building blocks because your cells are constantly in a state of, um, you know, birth and death. So when you don't necessarily give it the nutrients it needs for that rebirth, you know, the, the new cell is not going to be as effective. So you need vitamins, you need fats, you need sugars, you need proteins, um, because every single cell in your body is composed of these things. And if you don't have them, that replacement cell is going to be lacking in functionality. And that's what kind of leads us to getting ill a little bit easier. It's one of the factors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Jay, here is another question um, for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people consuming protein powders and whey protein? Yeah, so um, they definitely, uh, you know, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. Uh, so what do you think about, you know, like people just consuming proteins or whey proteins and neglecting an overall nourishment of their body? Yes, so it depends on kind of what your goals are. I do use protein powders for patients sometimes. So patients who may not, you know, consume like a high protein diet, a plant protein or a whey protein might be a good alternative, uh, you know, to not consuming any animal product or something that is like cheese or tofu or something like that. Um, so they do have their benefits as far as their use in, you know, muscle growth and things like that. I think it helps but I don't necessarily think that that is what is helping with the muscle growth entirely. I think the other nutrition, you know, outside of protein powders, how much effort you put into, you know, trying to build muscle, um, those I think are not the best options, protein powders. But if you are recovering from a surgery and you're going to be bed bound for, you know, four or five days, uh, a protein powder will be great for you because your body needs protein to produce all of these molecules that's going to help your wound heal or your body heal. So there's a time and place, I think, for them. And if you know what you're doing, you can use them efficiently. Got it. So, Jay, once, let's say, a person has gone through an incident and they went through the typical medical system, at what stage do you think alternative medicine like acupunctures um, come into play? That's a great question. It really, again, because it's so personalized, it would just depend on what it was. So I'll use the example of like a car accident, right? So let's say you mm -hmm. had a car accident on Monday. Okay. 
you start to get a little bit of neck pain a couple hours later go to your hospital you get all your workups done right all your images your lab tests to make sure that everything is safe for us to proceed um then you go follow up with your pcp let's say wednesday okay your doctor says all right you're good you're clear you can go you know start physical therapy or chiropractic or massage or acupuncture um so by friday usually <laughs> depending on you know how mm -hmm. traumatic the accident was um mm -hmm. we, we like to we like to cover our bases and it's not to cover ourselves it's more for patient safety you know we want to make sure that the patient is in a stable condition you know we do not treat acute conditions necessarily uh, not in this country anyways, right? We leave that to our MDs and our DOs to treat acute mm -hmm. situations because that's what they're really great at. When the patient has then been cleared that nothing dangerous could happen to them through, you know, physical medicine, I kind of group us all together, physical medicine, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic. Um, so once the doctor clears you for physical medicine, you know, it's kind of a free-for-all at that point because at that point, the doctor has said, you know what, your body is in a shape where it can recover and it can start to heal. Um, but it, it just depends. Mm -hmm. And as per your professional opinion, how often do, let's say, normal people with no issues um, should take acupuncture sure. um, sessions? Certainly. I like the tapering system, so I start people off with a little bit higher right? Never had acupuncture before. You want to see what it can do mm -hmm. for you, if it can help you sleep better, help you with stress. I like to start off with more in the beginning. So I would say maybe like three, two or three sessions a week to start and then see how you're doing, make note of any changes and adjust kind of accordingly. And then I kind of back it down a little bit, right? So two weeks later, you'll do two treatments a week. And then two weeks later from that, you'll do one treatment a week. And then I like to joke with my patients, you know, I kind of just want to see you once a month at one point, because that means you're doing really well, right? You don't have anything mm -hmm. going on. I want to get you better and I want to get you out the door, not because I don't care about you, but because I actually want you to get better. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Jay, um, because you said that people need to visit frequently, mm -hmm. um, and this is, a, I think, a very general question if you just search for acupuncture this is one of the questions that will pop up is acupuncture painful it can be i mean it is a needle going into the body but i don't want you to get scared by that because the needles are about the size of human hair so they're very tiny um, and unlike a traditional like hypodermic needle that you would get an immunization or an injection with these needles are actually uh, bendy and they're solid. So if you were to move per se, the needle would just bend with you and you wouldn't feel it poke through to the other side. Um, but it can <laughs> be painful depending on the case. If you are already in severe pain, your body's perception of pain is going to be altered. So you may feel like it is more painful because you are already in pain. Um, I personally, and this is hilarious, I'm a big baby when it comes to acupuncture. I do mm -hmm. it, I get it done when I need it, I use it, I needle myself sometimes if I absolutely have to. Um, so this mm -hmm. has kind of helped me develop a little bit of a technique that helps me distract the patient a bit while I insert the needle. And most of my patients frequently tell me that, oh wow, I didn't even feel it. Uh, so that's that's something I have kind of worked on having my own <laughs> fear of pain. 
सो इज इट ट्रू दैट यू कुड इमोबिलाईज समवन फ्रॉम पिनिंग इन द एक्झॅक्ट सॉरी नॉट एक्झॅक्ट बट पर्टिक्युलर लोकेशन ऑफ द बॉडी I think the kung fu monks maybe can mm-hmm. do that right because that's part of their <laughs> that's part of their education and training is to learn mm-hmm. the the points and the energy flows through the body so I do mm-hmm. think it's possible I as a American trained acupuncturist did not get that in any course nor would I ever want to do that <laughs> Mhm so that was out of syllabus is it Yeah exactly <laughs> as <laughs> remedial course over the summer <laughs> sure so how is florida for you like how is the vibe and how are the people there you know i've lived here almost my entire life now this is like 28th 29th year i think uh, mm-hmm. in florida i i come from south texas which is like 2 miles from the border where i used to live mm-hmm. um so it was a, it was a pretty big change for me coming from this little desert border town to mm-hmm. this beautiful atlantic atlantis like paradise um i'm really blessed i grew up in a town called sarasota and you know sarasota arguably has some of the best beaches in the world so i've just been really mm-hmm. fortunate to grow up in this paradise i uh, actually didn't have to go anywhere for any of my schooling everything was here my whole family was here Um, so I actually got to grow up here, live here, and it's been really great. I have tried moving away. I moved away to Tampa and to St. Petersburg, Florida, and then last year I actually was in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, but just something about this place keeps bringing me back, no matter where I go. Mm-hmm. Because I am kind of jealous of you now, mm-hmm. because where I live, I literally had to drive. 80 kilometers to even find the nearest water source. Oh wow. Um I mean I live I live in a city mm-hmm. um because uh, my city is is like the silicon valley of India it's nice. like um California mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh very tech based. Cool. Uh but I live in a concrete jungle like ah. nearest water source is like 80 kilometers for me. Gotcha. So uh, I, I don't know not, how much is that in miles. It's like a hundred and seventy something miles. It's like two point two something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So some kind of weird math. Yeah. United States people have gone. I don't need it. To... Yeah, I don't use it. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey Siri, <laughs> what is kilometers to miles? <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. So I'm really jealous of you because you have prime access to water anytime you want. It's been nice. I remember just coming here and being so mesmerized. Our beaches are like white powder. The sand doesn't get mm-hmm. hot. It's so nice. Yeah. Um so yeah, if you ever decide to visit, you should definitely come to Sarasota. It's amazing. I'm not mm-hmm. a spokesperson. This is not a plug <laughs> for Sarasota. You better be. You better It be. just is wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I just checked how many kilometers is it? So it's like 49 miles. Oh okay. I did it the other way around. Got it. Divided by 2.2 not uh-huh. times. Yes. So it's like that much far for me to mm-hmm. find like a flowing body of water. We have lakes. It's like useless lakes. <laughs> it's only for nature. Got it. Um for leisure there is no water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably um, would like dry up like a sponge on the counter. <laughs> 
I'm always at the beach. I love the beach. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you said Florida and, you know, you have been surrounded by beach. Mm-hmm. It would be, uh, I imagine it would be very hard for you to move into Central America, right? Because... Right. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Only rivers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Mississippi, but I probably wouldn't get in that. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So what's your future plans, JD? in terms of what you want to do with your own professional life or even your personal life? Yeah, this, um, I've just been really focusing on growing my brand and my town. Uh, we've accomplished quite a bit in the last three years. We've been open, um, you know, we've been recognized as one of the best acupuncture clinics in Sarasota. We've won, you know, grants for, you know, being a Latino owned business and we work with the VA. So we treat veterans and, you know, we've been recognized for that as well. So I'm just kind of using all of this recognition to use it as a, a platform to jump off of and, you know, grow this brand, grow my idea of how healthcare should be. Um, but the ultimate goal is I would like to have a hospital one day that actually uses both medicines. So this is very common in other parts of the world, but in America, it would be like a completely new Um, idea that doesn't exist yet. So I think if I would say, what are my big plans? It would be grow freestyle healing so big that I could have a hospital one day. Got it. (laughs) So because you have big dreams, um, my next question is kind of anti that. Sure. Um, How much like student low, um, you know, student debt did you go into? That's a great um, one. To get this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's a, it's a, it's a big number. I'll joke sometimes and say that I have a mortgage payment, but I don't have a house, um, because it is Mm -hmm. so expensive. Um, my personal debt for school was 163,000. So that's it. I mean, it's cheaper than some other medical professionals. Um, so I will trust me, you know, I will trust me for an Indian. It's not. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. So it is expensive, but I think, you know, the education that I learned and the people that I met and the professors that I had made it worth it, um, as well as the ability to practice. Like, I would pay a million dollars if I had to, if I could just be a doctor, you know, like I, that was my dream. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do is what I wanted to accomplish. So I yeah. may go into debt for it now, but hopefully later I will look back and say, wow, that wasn't that much money. Mm-hmm. So, have you heard of Dave Ramsey? No, I don't think so. So, like Dave Ramsey is this financial guru mm. of um, uh, in the United States. Sorry. Oh yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Money talk or something like that. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, from watching his show, um, I have gotten this habit of asking this question. Oh sure. <laughs> um, you know, like the question I asked you, like how much student debt do you have? Mm-hmm. Because I realized it's like. For some people, it's like unimaginable. Oh, yeah. I've seen some um, uh, some of my other student like friends who continued on to go on to like, uh, you know, become a medical doctor. You know, they take on like a quarter of a million dollars. So that's, you know, I'm, I have half of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also like you cannot half ass anything. No, I full ass everything. have to be like on dot. Right? Because, <laughs> um, you know the bank's going to knock on your door and say, where is my money? Oh yeah. So we have this one, um, lender who I will call, uh, ex Fannie Mae, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I call her my aunt. Cause she always calling me 
She's like, hey, mm -hmm. we have a new interest rate for you. You want to refinance? And I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. fine. It's cool, aunt. It's okay, Aunt Fanny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And the weird thing, Jay, is I recently got to know that even if you file for bankruptcy, the education uh, loan or debt doesn't go away. Yep. In the United States, it is one of the very few types of debts that do not get erased when you uh, file for bankruptcy. I think part of it is because even if you lose everything, that gives you still a potential to make money one day, ideally, I think is what they thought was going to happen. Um, but I know that it has but, hurt a lot of people, you know, from mm -hmm. getting ahead in life. But just a thought, JD, that if if that particular education worked, I'd not be in the place to be bankrupt in the first place. Mm -hmm. Is It is very sad um, because even people who go into, you know, the standard Western medical practice, they can struggle sometimes too making money just because nobody teaches us business. You know, we have, mm -hmm. we have trouble with business. That's why we have to hire people to be accountants for us, to be office managers, because it is something so strange to us. You know, we want to focus on healing people. We want to focus on helping people. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily want to use our time and energy and effort for those other mundane tasks that, you know, take away from patient care. Mm -hmm. Got it. Because um, earlier you said that, you know, if I could, I could go to a million dollars in debt for education, I would. And I almost want, wanted to say they are going to give it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it will get there at one point, probably. Yes, I think, I think one of the, uh, on Reddit, I saw someone uh, in poverty finance, mm -hmm. um, shout out to, um, you know, people in, yeah, people in subreddit of poverty finance. <laughs> Um, because that's the reality of any country or any situation. Mm -hmm. um, one person said that they were in student debt of $880,000. Wow. And I was like, okay, like, what did you study? Like, yeah, what didn't you study at that nuclear point? Bomb? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, what didn't you learn? Because you need a refund. <laughs> yeah, it's probably okay. like you went to a college and said, what do you offer? And you know, in, in response, you said, give me everything. Yeah. It's like, I have, no. I have a new degree higher than a doctorate. <laughs> doctorate plus. Jay, because in India, we have uh, professional students. Have you heard of that term? Uh, yes. I, I consider myself a professional student. Um, okay. <laughs> then I don't think uh, that's the definition of uh, okay. that. I'm a lifetime um, learner. There we go. Yes, that's better. Okay. Because professional students are those people who go from university to university throughout their life, just ah, earning degrees. Ah. Actually, that is kind so, of me. I do have like four degrees, so that is kind of me. Yeah, Jay, but you're like in baby steps now. True. <laughs> <laughs> there is an Indian um, who is a professional student. He has 138 masters. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm not a professional student. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like pre pre-professional student. Yeah, you're in the this? Office. What do you do with your free time? Doesn't he want to like go do something? So this has been so funny for me is because I had been mm -hmm. in school my entire life up until 2019. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like an adult for the first time in my actual life because I'm not having to study. I'm not having to be in class. I'm not having to go do clinical rotation. So mm -hmm. 
it's been fun being an adult. So I could not imagine going back to school. I tried it. I tried to get my MBA and I did get pretty far along, but I just decided mm -hmm. that I couldn't do it anymore. I had already fatigued myself from 10 years of school, you know, post-secondary school. So it just was, it was like, you know what? I can learn on my own. I've already proven myself. I've earned the credentials. I'm, I am able to teach. So why can't I teach myself? Mm -hmm. That's kind so, of how I look at it now. Do you think those years were worth it? 100%. Um, because not only did I learn how to heal people, I learned how to heal myself. And that has been a, a big thing for me in life because I have been helping my family with chronic illness since I was a child. You know, my, my father and my grandfather both suffered from, you know, terminal, ultimately terminal chronic illness. Uh, and, mm -hmm. I, and I feel like I said to myself, I don't want that to happen to me. You know, these were all preventable things that could have been done, you know, diet, lifestyle, all these different things that we don't really take into consideration until it's almost too late. Um, so I said to myself, not only am I going to learn how to help people and help people not lose their loved ones, I'm going to help myself so that I'm not going to be, you know, chronically ill when I'm 30, 45, 50. Um, so it was worth it because not only do I help people, I get to help myself and my family. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. Got it. So Jay, first of all, I would like to thank you for like making this time and being with us um, because I understand that um, you as a practitioner will be under constant like tight schedule. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I would like to thank you for taking your time and appearing on the show. Oh, Ganesh, it's been such a pleasure. I have been listening to your podcast for a little bit now for the couple of weeks that mm -hmm. I've been, you know, before I just got the guts to say, hey, can I come on? <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's just so cool because I feel like people don't have you know, substantial conversations. I feel like a lot of the times, like superficial conversations about maybe like what's going on in the popular culture right now, or what mm -hmm. are you currently doing in your life that is beneficial to you? So it's just mm -hmm. nice to hear, you know, people's stories and how they help people or how they help themselves. Um, so, yes, you know, it's, exactly. it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I will come back anytime. <laughs> yes. I hope to have you soon again, once again, um, because in today's world, I, uh, you know, the people that are just going through life, um, I call that as like, fuck you mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because they're like, you know, like, I want to, you know, live my life. And if it's a community, like, fuck that. And only mm -hmm. if, if some, and with, you know, even younger generations, and I am sounding like very old. Oh, I do it all the time too. Yeah, I do it all the time. Uh -huh. I'm, only, I'm only 29. So I get it. People think I'm yeah. like this old so, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so even younger generations have this term of i don't care what other people say and i'm like sometimes it does matter what other people are saying mm -hmm. um because if someone says there is no road ahead and you still continue on yeah, the road right. and you get stranded um then you would say you know what that person did not want me more sternly mm -hmm. you know and that's what today's world has become because we are opinionated yes like if you in in just in case of united states it's like either you are a republican or a democrat like mm -hmm. if you are anywhere in between you either you're illiterate or you're dead like, exactly it's very bizarre 
Um, fortunately, mm-hmm. and this probably sounds ignorant, um, I like to stay in my little healthcare bubble, you know, so mm-hmm. I care about, yes, health- that's <laughs> yes, I care about healthcare mm-hmm. policy. I care about healthcare legislation. I help care about mm-hmm. those types of things, um, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the two colors that represent this country. Um, mm. and it, it may be ignorant to say, but you work in this environment and you pay taxes and all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, my mission is here to help people and I'm just going to focus on that. Yes. Because your country has something called as lobbying. Yes. Yes. There's lobbying. Um, and there's good lobbying yes. too. I do some good lobbying. No, no. yes. <laughs> no. JD, trust me, if hundred countries did not require lobbying, mm-hmm. 101st country doesn't need lobbying like Mm -hmm. this is my opinion coming at the end of the episode but yeah (laughs) um, it's like you know what they say right like there is nothing um, you know like good in war or in you know violence oh yeah yeah. similar to that right if you're doing something right if you're doing something correct you don't need publicity Mm -hmm. but when you're trying to cover up something um, you need publicity well I'll give you an example maybe where I think it's good lobbying um The United States recently changed, well, the Joint Commission of the United States made changes to treatment for chronic pain. So if you have low back pain for like two, three years, initially they were just giving you opiate drugs, right? So you're just sedated on opiates, which is not good for Mm -hmm. anybody, especially not for long periods of time. Well, we had legislation happen and lobbying happen that actually changed the first line treatment with the American Medical Association to alternative therapies first, like acupuncture, massage, chiropractic, that's going to help a lot of people get off of these very addictive substances and actually cure them. So in this particular case, I like that. Do do you think that was lobbying or do you think that was sheer peer pressure and public outrage? That doesn't happen here, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for that. I would love to. I'd go cause all kinds of havoc if I could and it would do something. But, you know, I always say that I'm going to play their game so that I get my way. Um, (laughs) And it's it's for the benefit of others. You know, I don't lobby for, you know, tobacco for kids or I don't lobby for, you know, whatever crazy thing is being lobbied. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that sometimes it really just is about people don't know about certain topics and they just have never heard about it. And I think. The, the press that you may see as a negative thing could sometimes be a positive light. And yes, there's always going mm-hmm. to be somebody that is going to take advantage of it. We live in a very corrupt world in a corrupt society, um, you know, for mm-hmm. personal gain. So there is always that. But just like with our yin and yang, I think there's yin and mm-hmm. yang in everything you look at. Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, first of all, again, thank you very much for coming up at uh, such short notice. No, I really appreciate um, it. Yeah, and, um, you know, like just uh, for our listeners, guys, this is the end of the episode. We are coming towards the end of the episode. And if you have stayed till now, thank you and congratulations because you got good listening capacity and you're not yet trained by um, shorts and TikTok algorithms. Congratulations (laughs) on that. Love it. And um, JD's social links or whatever he wants to share with us will be in the description so once you have done hearing this episode just click on the link and just go to instagram or facebook or whatever is the link and just show support 
um for jd because as he said this is his second podcast and guys let's make it a good experience for him um because we are kind of second relationship like it's like we are the second girlfriend yeah. you know like we need to make him have a good time there you go um so yeah just go out and support him and show love and until next episode take care and bye bye see you later bye bye